Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. episode by saying I apologize that this episode is a little later than usual. I just handed in my manuscript for my new astrology book. I handed it in yesterday, which was Thursday, which means I'm recording this podcast on Friday morning. And then hopefully by lunchtime today, it is in your ears. Now, this is an episode where I answer all of your astrology questions. I put a shout out on Instagram. And as always, I got a bunch of questions. Some were quite similar. So I've sort of summarized them as best I can. And there were quite a few questions surrounding my upcoming astrology course, Celestial storytelling. Now that kicks off very, very soon. I think just over two weeks time now, we kick off on the 4th of March. So the last time that you can sign up is the 3rd of March, although I'll probably let you through if you sign up on the 4th of March. The reason I want you to sign up the day before though, is um, I prepare everyone's natal chart. I'm still in the process of doing that. There's over 70 people who've signed up already. That's a lot of natal charts to prep. So if you haven't received yours yet, don't worry, you will absolutely absolutely have it by the time we kick off. But if you haven't signed up yet, I encourage you to do it as soon as possible so I can make sure you have all of the materials in time before we get started. So what I'm going to do is I had questions that cover everything, but I am going to start off answering the questions about the course. We'll just fly through them and then we'll get onto the juicy stuff in case the course doesn't interest you. And that's absolutely fine. So first question I got Is there any best or basic assumed knowledge required to join level one? The answer to that is no. If you listen to this podcast, which I assume you do, if you're listening to this episode, I can guarantee that you do, you will have enough knowledge to begin. You don't require any of it. The only thing I would ask of people is that they (laughs) are familiar with astrology terms. And by terms, I mean, what are the 12 zodiac signs, right? What are the planets that we're working with? If you don't even know that, look, it's fine. There is no assumed knowledge. You're going to learn absolutely everything you need to know along the way. The second question is, um, is the workbook printable altogether or is it a collection of independent documents? It's a very good question. So each week of the course, there's eight weeks, you will get a printable 
workbook. It comes in PDF. I worked with my designers to make sure that it didn't use a lot of colored ink in the background. Everything's very light. So if you were to print it in black and white, you wouldn't waste all of your ink in doing so. Now, it is a separate workbook for every week. However, because it's a PDF file, it's very easy. I can even show you guys in the live calls how at the end of the course, you can actually create one large PDF. So if you'd prefer to do it that way, by all means do. I've personally found in my experience that I prefer to leave my workbooks when I do courses in their weekly bundles because it means that I can go, oh, that week when we learned about blah, blah, that's what I need information for now. So I'm going to go to that week's PDF. What I do when I do an online course like this is I always create a file in my Google Drive. I've got separate folders for the separate weeks of the course. And I always upload all the documents that we received that week into those sections. Now you're going to have access to the dashboard of this course forevermore. Um, And if anything ever changed, which I can't imagine it would, but let's say in 50 years time, I was like, I'm going to close that website down. I would send you an email and ask you to download everything, but everything will be housed on the dashboard of the course for lifetime access. Okay. So don't, you don't have to worry about that. Next question, will we learn about squares, conjunctions, trines, and sextiles? So this is what we refer to as aspects in the natal chart, or actually transits can form aspects as well. And this is basically very mathematical. It's got to do with the angles that the planets are making with each other. Now, yes, you do learn this, but not in level one. We learn it in level two. And the reason that I've waited until level two to teach you is uh, basically because there is a whole lot of knowledge that you need to understand before we even start talking about aspects. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense to you, right? It's something we can't rush ahead to teach. Now, in level two of the course, we're learning about aspects and we're also learning about transits. Now, every astrology course I've done in the past, they're actually two separate levels. And I was going to do that, but I'm also mindful that people want all the information. And the way that I've set level one up, you should be able to um, handle learning about aspects and transits in the same eight week blocks. And if you struggle with that, that's okay because you've got the recordings and you've got the worksheets forevermore, right? So you can work at your own paces if it's going a little bit too fast. Next question, after I complete level two, will I be an astrologer? Yes, in that you'll be able to read charts for people and call yourself an astrologer, but there is so much to learn when it comes to astrology. I don't teach you everything in level one and level two. For example, we don't talk about synastry charts or composite charts. We don't talk about progression charts. There's a whole lot more that you can learn as an astrologer and practice as an astrologer. There's astrocartography. There's a million different branches of astrology. What you learn in the course, though, like I said, in level one and level two is enough for you to read natal charts for people and do transits readings for people. All right. Now, you don't receive a certification at the end of this course. There is a certification that you can sit for. It's a test. I um, have all the knowledge to sit that test and I've never sat it because it doesn't really hold any weight, 
right? There's no regulatory board when it comes to astrology. So if you're someone, perhaps you're a Capricorn, and you feel like you need that certification, by the end of level two, you should be able to sit it. I'd have to check what the curriculum is um, recently. When I was considering sitting it five years ago, everything I teach you in this course was enough. I'm pretty sure it's still enough to sit it. So if you did want to sit that course, you can absolutely do it. It's not run through any particular school. It's a, it's a board that runs it. Um, but here's the thing with astrology, and this is why I never sort of uh, sat the test myself. It's because astrology is subjective, right? And it's open to interpretation, And you've probably found this within your own um, research. Like if you Google something like, what does Venus in Aquarius in the fourth house mean? You will get hundreds of different responses, right? What my course does, what Celestial Storytelling does over level one and level two, teaches you how to interpret a chart for the person you're reading for right? Which I think is very, very important. It takes in their own circumstance. It takes in the information that they've shared with you, their lifestyle, um, their childhood, their motivations, uh, what they do for work, uh, their relationships. And it crafts it in a way that you can use that information and the chart that's in front of you to interpret it, right? And one person who's got Venus in Aquarius in the fourth house could express it very differently to someone else who's got Venus in Aquarius in the fourth house, right? So this is why I find it very interesting to think, how does a uh, marker of these tests, what do you call them? Someone who who sits there while you do the exam, how do, how do they mark the validity of what's being said when it's so incredibly subjective, right? Um, But short answer to that is, will you be an astrologer at the end of level two? Yes, you can absolutely call yourself an astrologer. Next question. I want to sign up for the payment plan. Is the money deducted on a specific date each month? The money is deducted from the day that you sign up. So if you sign up on the 21st of February, then the 21st of each month for the next three months um, is when the payment will be deducted from your account. So in saying that, if you get paid on the 15th of every month or the 30th of every month, then, you know, signing up on the day after that is probably a good idea. Uh, Last question. Oh, no, two more questions. Sorry. Will there be an early bird price for level two? Yes, there will be an early bird price for level two. It will begin after the final level one class. So April 25, 26, um, and it will run for three weeks. If you paid for level one last year in the early bird and you want to ensure that you can pay the early bird rate again, it's going to be exactly the same price. So if you need to budget for that, you can budget for that now. There will only be one installment option though for the early bird. I gave two installment options last time. It was a bit weird because I needed it to be completed within the three-week period and it just gets a bit fuzzy. So there's just one installment for early bird pricing. Now that level two will officially kick off in mid-July. So you get about two and a half months off between level one and level two. 
And that's a good time to let level one sort of sink in. Perhaps you want to go over some of the notes. Perhaps you just want to break from astrology in that time. And then we'll jump back in in mid-July. And then the last, uh, the last question was, I can't make the live calls. Is this okay? Absolutely. All of the, There's two live calls a week. Um, if you can't make either of them, that's fine. They'll both be recorded. I'll only upload one recording, whichever recording has my hair looking the best. No, <laughs> I'll just choose a recording every week. The idea is that if you watch the recording, you get just as much out of it. The only thing is you won't be able to ask questions if you're not there live, but you can always um, email me questions to answer in the live call if you'd like. Um, All right, my loves, they're all the questions surrounding celestial storytelling. If you are keen to join me for that course, all you need to do is click the link in the show notes of this episode or head to jordanalevine.com com forward slash readings and there's a link to celestial storytelling at the top of that page all right astrology questions okay we've got a few today the first question i had is which system is best for beginners i think this question was about house systems i've spoken about house systems quite a bit on the podcast um, i use placidus And some other astrologers, uh, especially ones that are on social media a lot, tend to use the whole sign house system. When we say best for for beginners, I think what is best for beginners is to learn the basics and the foundations of astrology. And because I personally use Placidus, I am a little bit biased. I think Placidus is the best. I think it's the most accurate. And when we say best, do we mean easiest or, or do we mean the best to get the most out of astrology? If we're looking for the best to get the most out of astrology, it's Placidus. If we're looking for the easiest, I don't even want to say it's whole sign system. There is something easier about it because all of the signs and the houses are the same size, which makes it a little bit easier to navigate. But once you learn how to use a Placidus house system chart, it's really easy, right? So I don't even know if I answered the question, but that is my answer. Um, Next question. Surprising ways that astrology has influenced my life. Loved this question. Um, Lots of different ways. I think retrogrades and full moons have really taught me about slowing down and how when we slow down, and we rest, we actually get more energy to be more active in other areas of our life. Yeah. And at other times in our life. So that's been a huge one for me. Um, And I think the other thing that astrology is really influenced in my life is my growth and evolution. The major transits that we go through, so things like our Saturn return, our nodal return, um, when some of the larger transiting planets are aspecting planets in our natal chart, they can be really uncomfortable, but they're always there for our growth. Yeah, in fact, our whole natal chart is there for our growth. Evolutionary astrology, which is the type of astrology I practice, works on the premise that we grow and evolve into our chart over our lifetime, yeah? And the chart provides clues and nudges to get you to move towards your highest potential, 
right? So you've got this like treasure map in your natal chart. And the way that it's influenced my life is I refer to it all the time. If I'm having a problem, I go, okay, well, what sort of skill set do I need to solve this problem? And where in my natal chart are there clues and nudges to get the best out of myself? The other way I've used astrology, um, of course, is kind of working with things like Mercury retrograde, the things that can slow, say, a business down. Um, I'm very conscious of them throughout the year. For example, during level two of celestial storytelling, we're going to have a Mercury retrograde in the middle of that. Now, in order to avoid it, I was going to have to wait until I was either going to have to start level two early, which means you don't get enough of a break between level one and level two, or I was going to have to start it much later in the year. And I was like, well, hang on. I don't want to move my whole business around because of this three weeks that Mercury is going backwards. So what I've decided to do is make sure the launch of level two and the commencement of level two are out of Mercury retrograde and Mercury retrograde will be happening while we're in it, which I think should be fine. We shall see. Time will tell. (laughs) But sort of working with certain transits in that way. Um, All right. Next question. Best website to see transit charts. Now, look, I've got to say, like, if you're not familiar with astrology, if you haven't studied astrology, transit charts can be really confusing if you don't have basic knowledge. Um, But if you want something to interpret it for you, I don't really use um, websites for transit charts. I recommend using some apps. I personally use an astrology program. It's very expensive. I'll talk about it in Celestial Storytelling if you guys want to purchase it. But um, there's a cheaper version that's an app. And those apps are Time Passages and Astro Gold. And they can create a transit chart for you. A transit chart is basically where the planets are right now like the current transits. And then if you want to create a what we call a bi-wheel, you layer your natal chart on the transit chart and it shows you um, what aspects those transiting planets are making to your natal planets. Next question. What planetary transits cause accidents? Um, this listener had had quite a few accidents in one week. I don't really subscribe to this side of astrology, right? This is very predictive based. And while there are some things that we can predict, I think looking at planetary transits causing accidents is quite fatalistic, right? I just don't subscribe to it. Um, This is no attack on the person who asked this question. It's a good question. And when stuff happens a lot in like a small period of time, you're like, what is going on? There could be a number of things that were going on, but planets themselves are not causing those accidents. The planets might be trying to wake you up to something you need to pay attention to, but they're not causing you to, I'm not sure what the accidents were, but like trip over the carpet or, you know, twist your knee or whatever. Um, When you see astrologers doing social media posts, and again, this is not an attack on astrologers, but if you do see kind of clickbaity posts that are like, when this planet is in aspect to this planet in your chart, you know, watch out for car accidents or, you know, stupid stuff like that. It's for content. Don't buy into it. All right. Next question, kind of a follow up, but I'm going to attack it a little bit differently. Is it possible to see your future partner 
in your chart and when you will meet them. No, you can't see a future partner. What you can do is a synastry chart with someone you're in a relationship with and see how you two fit together. Um, Compatibility, yes, but I also think the term compatibility is quite subjective. But you could sort of see from a synastry chart how you two kind of fit together and work together. In terms of who that future partner will be, what star sign they will be, um, where you will meet them, all of those sorts of things. No, you you can't. Like, um, again, if astrologers are telling you that, um, they're trying to get you to buy into something, right? Um, all the mentors that I've worked with, all the teachers I've had um, who practice evolutionary astrology, which is about the evolution and growth of us through our lifetime, uh, will all tell you that that is absolutely impossible. However, there are certain transits that indicate that you could meet someone at a certain time, right? But in saying that, if you are sitting in your living room and you never leave the house, then it doesn't matter that Venus is conjunct your ascendant. Feel me? (laughs) Do you get it? Yeah. Some of the bigger transits that indicate you might meet someone are... These all play out very differently as well. But let's say transiting Jupiter. So Jupiter in the sky at the moment, it's currently in Taurus. If it's forming an aspect, so a conjunction, a square, an opposition, a sextile or a trine with your natal Venus, moon, sun or ascendant, this could indicate you meeting someone and it being like feeling really, really good. Yeah, it's kind of exciting, expansive. Will it last? I can't say yes or no, but it's one of the transits that indicate, you know, good times. (laughs) Um, Another one is transiting Uranus, which is currently in Taurus, in aspect to your moon, your sun, your Venus or your Mars. Now, this is more sort of like unexpected, like people just appearing out of the blue and things happening like really fast, you know? Um, I've seen with a client of mine, I won't say her name, so she's not going to know it's her, but um, we saw Uranus um, in conjunction with her natal Venus in her fifth house. And I said to her in a transit and progression reading, if you don't want to fall pregnant, I would very much be using protection over the next six months, which was when Uranus was transiting through the fifth. Um, And she kind of just smiled. And anyway, she fell pregnant (laughs) with a partner who she'd only been with for a few months, but they um, got engaged and they've moved in together and they're starting this new life, right? So Uranus can do stuff like that. Yeah. Things just move really, really, really fast and come out of the blue, which I find exciting. Other people find terrifying. Uh, A little bit more grounded of a transit is when Saturn, the planet of responsibility, is transiting in aspect to your sun, Venus, or moon. This is more sort of like commitment, right? Big commitment. Could be marriage, could be moving in with someone, could be settling down, yeah? Traditional kind of um, partnerships. Then we've got Pluto, transiting Pluto in aspect to your sun, your Venus. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at sun and Venus, this is like really strong 
bonds, right? Transformative relationships. Because I'm not a fatalistic person, I want to say good, but also if we're being realistic, Pluto can also bring relationships that transform you, but in really uncomfortable ways. So is that your inverted commas soulmate? Can't say, can't say. Um, I'd say it's some sort of karmic mate. (laughs) Um, But it can also be like the deepest intimacy you've ever felt in your entire life. Um, Then we've got this one less so, but I couldn't not include it, but transiting Neptune moving through your fifth house or your seventh house. Fifth house is the house of many things, but in this case, I'm going to say romance and seventh house is the house of relationships. Um, Neptune brings this really sort of romantic, dreamy quality. So again, it could be a little bit uh, fantasy-like. I would just be aware if you do meet someone when Neptune is transiting the 5th or the 7th that you are not just looking at the relationship through rose-tinted glasses. All right, um, next question. Location astrology, how does it work? I don't practice. This is what we call um, astrocartography. I don't practice it, so I can't really comment. I have done, though, a um, bonus subscriber episode on this. So if you're not a subs- – well, if you are a subscriber, you can go back and find that episode. I think it's labeled as such. If you want to become a subscriber today, you can subscribe and you actually get – access to the back catalogue of subscriber episodes, right? So you can go back and listen to all of the past episodes. But basically, location astrology is when, say you were born in London and then you now live in Australia, you can actually do a locational natal chart where you change it to, let's say, Sydney, um, Australia. But it's not just changing it in your natal chart. It's a special calculation. You've got to do it on a website like astro.com and they'll calculate it for you. I tend to always work with people's birthplace. I don't really care if you've moved country. I think the natal chart where you were born still stands. Now, astrocartography is a little bit different. What it does is it shows you a world map and there's different lines that run through that map that are related to each planet in your chart. And they say, again, this is not my area of expertise, but they say like where your sun line runs through or where your Venus line runs through or your Mercury line or whatever can tell you different things about the energy for you in that particular country, right? So they say, if you want to find love, go and hang out where your Venus line is. Now, I don't have many lines running through Australia, which maybe is an indication for me to leave this country, but a lot of my lines actually run through the ocean. So unless I want to be a mermaid, uh, I I actually can't go and live or holiday on my lines. I I guess I could sail across my lines. Um, But yeah, so look, I do know a lot of people though, who have moved to where their lines run through um, and, and different planetary lines mean different things, but they have noticed that they feel very different there and opportunities open up to them there. So look, if you are interested, you can do your own astrocartography chart online. Go to astro.com. It's very confusing, but you can give it a red hot go. Otherwise, there are specific astrologers that practice astrocartography. 
I personally don't know any, but um, I'm sure you could figure that out. Uh, next question. How important is your Mars placement? Um, it's important. I think all the personal planets are important. So we've got sun, moon and rising. That's the three amigos or your primal triad or the big three, we call them. And then you've got the personal planets, Mercury, Venus and Mars. These planets affect you on a personal level. So I think your Mars placement is quite important. It talks about your drive. It talks about your determination. It also sort of speaks to your desires, um, sexual, yes, but also just desires for yourself in life. Um, I think there's a lot we can work with when we understand our Mars placement well. Next question. What are the most common transits people will feel? And follow-up question was, what easy what easy transits are there that people don't feel as much? Okay, I mean, this is a very sort of loaded question, but I'm going to answer it as succinctly as I can. The way that transits work, and again, we'll go in depth in level two of celestial storytelling with this, but basically the planets are transiting all of the time, right? So the moon will transit through every sign in the zodiac, all 12 signs within a month, right? Within a 29 to 30 day period. The sun will transit through each sign throughout an entire year, right? So one sign a month, there's 12 signs, there's 12 months, right? Now, as we get further and further out, the planets slow down a little bit. So um, Mercury falls not that far behind the sun. It kind of moves at a similar pace. Venus and Mars kind of fall just behind. Sometimes they catch up a little bit. Sometimes they slow down. Then we get to what we call the outer planets, Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. These are the transits that we are going to feel because they're slower, but only when they're aspecting your natal planets. Okay, so what that means is those outer planets, we will feel collectively, societally, globally, we'll see it changing the way society works, right? We're always going to see that. But the way it's going to affect you personally is when it is in conjunction, a square, an opposition, a sextile, a trine with your personal planets. Now, we could say the same for the moon, the sun, Mercury, Venus, or Mars, except that those transits are happening really fast. So yeah, Venus might be conjunct your sun, but only for a couple of days, right? And then it's moved on. So I'm like, if I'm doing a transits and progressions reading for you, it's not likely I'll say to you on this specific day, you will meet the love of your life because Venus is conjunct the sun. I mean, it could, it could happen, <laughs> but that's a tiny, tiny, tiny little window, right? So you'll know if you're a subscriber, we talk about the astrology of the week. I will talk about some of those faster moving transits because we're just covering a seven day period, right? Um, but when we're talking about the big ones that affect you, we're talking about things like Saturn return, when Saturn returns to the exact same spot it was at the time of your birth. So that means your that transiting Saturn is conjunct your natal Saturn. Your birthday is your solar return when the sun returns to the exact degree it was when you were born. 
But then, like I said before, when some of those bigger planets are actually aspecting your personal planet. So an example I've used a lot in the last year, it's moved away now, thank God. But for most of 2023, Saturn was opposite my moon, right? So I felt that a lot where other people may not have felt Saturn in Pisces last year all that much. I hope that answered your question. Last question. Oh, actually, it's not really a question. I had a lot of questions coming about houses. <laughs> houses confuse people. I get it. They used to confuse me too. How they work, why sometimes a sign covers more than one house. What does it mean if a sign's on the cusp of a house but not really much in the house? What if there's several signs in a house? All these questions. The way I'm going to respond to this is going to frustrate you all. I'm so sorry. But all of this is covered in celestial storytelling, right? And I know I keep plugging it, but I didn't even want to run this course, right? I had no desire to run an online course, (laughs) but I had so many of you that wanted this knowledge and I knew that the podcast was not the format to do it, right? And if you want astrology to be more than just a podcast episode you listen to or a meme you share on Instagram, even though I love to do that myself... Um, and you really want to understand how you can work with it, not only your natal chart, but the transiting planets, then you need to understand the foundations of it. Things like the houses are one of those things. And it's just simply something I cannot teach you over the podcast. I mean, I could try, but I don't think it's going to land. Um, and the thing is, astrology builds on itself. And I've really designed this course so it does that. So you understand one thing before we layer something else on top of it. So when it comes to the houses and the signs in the houses and all of that, we learn that in level one, right? And once you know that stuff, game changer. I've had another question come in. Sorry, it just came to me now. It wasn't asked in the Instagram box, but a lot of people have asked. Can you do level one and not do level two? Yeah, you totally can. You absolutely can. Um, You will be able to do like a very basic reading of a natal chart for family members, I guess, and friends. Um, But the only problem with that is aspects. So those conjunctions, oppositions, squares, blah, 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 blah. They can change the expression of a planetary placement in your chart. For example, if your sun is in Leo but it is conjunct Saturn, it's going to have a very different expression to someone else who's got their son in Leo in the exact same house without a Saturn conjunction, all right? It's going to play out very differently. So um, that's the reason I would say, yeah, you kind of need to do both levels. But in saying that, if you just want to sort of know the foundations of astrology and the basics of astrology, and you're not really here to read charts, you just want to understand houses and signs and planets and how they all work together much better, then yeah, you can totally just do level one. All right, my loves, that is this episode. That is the episode for this week. Next week, we move into Pisces season and then we've got a Virgo full moon coming up on the 24th in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh God. Okay. So that means this is me not planning episodes in advance. That means next week's episode will be a combo episode. Damn it. I hate those episodes. Okay. So I hate them to put together because it's long, but you guys will love them because they'll be jam-packed. 
So we're going to talk about, yeah, Pisces season and we're going to talk about the Virgo full moon. That episode will come out on Wednesday the 21st, my dear friend Emma's birthday. Happy birthday. I don't think she listens to this podcast. That's okay. I don't mind. Um, Yes. Okay. So uh, any questions, you can always DM me on Instagram. Once again, if you want to sign up for that course, there's a link in the show notes of the episode. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast and get bonus subscriber episodes every week, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode as well. All right, my loves. Until then, I'm Jordana Levine and you've been listening to Luna Lover, the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.